Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor, or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio, which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. Well, hello and welcome everyone to Australia's Hour of Investing Power. It's the show that quite simply is as great as you want it to be. This is Spotty streaming to you live from Ticker TV in Richmond. And for the last time this week, over the next 60 minutes, we're going to answer your questions live on air. So how do you get your questions to us? Well, you can text us. Dexter's waiting for your text message, 0480-079-089, or you can email us, question at spotty.com.au. These details will appear throughout the show, of course, at the bottom of the screen, so there's no need to memorise it. But if you wish to put it in your smartphone or get a tattooed for easy recognition, by all means, feel free to do so. So let's bring in our guest, starting with the October man. Now, I call him this because he nailed uh, where we were actually going to finish up in uh, October. And don't worry, folks, I'm going to ask him where we're going to finish November too. It's Michael D from Pythagoras Investing. How are you doing, Michael? Elio, how are you? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks very much for coming uh, back on for, our, for a second crack. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You've got a great history that I always like hearing. And then tell us a bit about the company that you've built at Pythagoras Investing. Yeah, sure. Um, and thanks for having me back. And uh, and very nice compliment about uh, October. Nice that people remember your comments. And I'll uh, <laughs> I'll reflect back to you the February comment as well shortly. Um, look, my background is very uh, traditional and mainstream funds management in in its early years. I'm an accountant by trade. I did a marketing degree. I did a finance uh, graduate diploma. And then I've done a whole lot of things, including spending almost 15 years at QIC as the small companies fund manager. Uh, from there, I, I created my own boutique. And from that period of time onwards, I spent a lot of time working on the mathematics of volatility because I became very fascinated with volatility in the VIX. And, and our boutique was born just before the GFC, so in April of 2008. So I've spent a long time right back uh, since then working on the mathematics of volatility and how we can use volatility to predict share price. Hmm. Fast forward to today, our business is called Pythagoras Investing because the great man was a mathematician at heart amongst other very, very clever things. Hmm. And so what we do at Pythagoras is we measure attract and interpret changes in volatility stock by stock to determine when to buy and when to sell. Because what we know is that when there's a change in volatility, that's telling us whether we ought to be at the start of a buying cycle or at the end and therefore buy or sell. So uh, what we do is we then sell those recommendations to clients, big and small, 
and they can enjoy what we do without having to do the hard yakker of all of the physical research or complement what they do in a in a normal sense. So we're doing things quite differently. And PythagorasInvesting.com is where you can go in order to learn more about Michael's uh, business. And he's also got a free trial available on the website as well. So you may wish to avail yourself of that. Now, next, our next guest is me. Uh, done this much of my life, uh, self-funded, living the dream, really, just investing in markets and kicking back, relaxing. And then I go and decide to do something stupid like this show. Uh, it's been an impressive burden ever since. Only kidding, folks. Uh, look, I did form Daylight Financial Group, though, uh, of which Spotty Proprietary Limited is an authorised representative of that. And, of course, it does offer premium consulting uh, services, as you've heard me talk about before, uh, not just myself, but also my partner in Shine, Chris Batchelor. And we both help investors really keep them sane and simple. So you can go to the website to learn more. Um, if you uh, do wish to uh, uh, see how we help investors every single day. Okay, well, we're ready. All we now need are your questions. So send them through right now. But before we get started, a timely reminder, as always, that the information in today's show is of a general nature only. None of it takes into account your objectives, situations or needs. And therefore, should you decide to act on any of this information, you need to do so in light of your own personal circumstances. Yes, past performance is no indicator of future performance. And if there is anyone other than your significant other in life that you wish to discuss any of this content with, then you need to do so with an advisor that's licensed to do so. Unfortunately, uh, neither Michael nor myself are able to have that sort of conversation with you. Um, do remember, though, of course, that uh, um, uh, we do have interest in shares all across the board. I've got too many often that I can recount. Um, I do try to remember, we try to remember to disclose when we do hold an interest in a stock, but sometimes in the heat of stock discussion, we do forget. So by all means, feel free to contact us all directly and we'll be happy to disclose our interest in any business. Now for the next hour and the last time this week, Spotty is proud to be powered by our partners in light at ShareWealth Systems. And since 1995, ShareWealth Systems have helped investors protect and grow their share portfolio with a rules-based investing approach that gives them an edge over others. So if you wish to learn more about the team powering our spotlight and how you too can be the tortoise and win the race of investing life, then go to the website, sharewealthsystems.com and be sure to read all the relevant information on screen before making any decisions. And you've got the weekend to do it, so there's no reason why you can't. All right, then, as uh, we go to air currently, the market is up. Uh, the all order is up 0.44%, uh, now cracking the 6,700 mark. The XJO also up strongly 0.48%. So it looks like it's the larger caps, actually, that are driving the market today, uh, Michael. And we're going to start with one. Uh, one of the larger businesses on our exchange as the topic of the day. And it's Aristocrat Leisure, code ALL, for those of you playing along at home. Now, it released its report today. Uh, some of the highlights uh, for those of you watching at home, if you haven't read the uh, announcement yet. Operating revenue was down some 5.9%. Profit was down 46.7%. And it's only a 10 cent dividend, which is down from the 34 cents the year before, making it only 10 cents for the full year as well, which is down... Uh, on the 56 that they'd previously achieved. Now, I'd be interested to get, you know, to get a sense as to what you felt, Michael, because let's face it, no one expected this to be a bonzo result. Um, it's come through as disappointing as expected. Uh, do you think this is a good opportunity to accumulate um, aristocrat at these levels? Sure, I was, um, this is not one I normally focus on, so I've, I've been doing a bit of scratching around on this this morning. 
Um, when I look at the share price and I look at the pre-COVID price, it's about $37. It got down to a low of 15 and at about $33 now, what on the numbers that I can work through, you're talking about a PE of 24. Now, that's not terribly cheap. And when I look through uh, the results, like you, I would have expected that this would be tough. And in reality, gaming machines rely on casinos and venues that have all been closed. Um, but what's been quite amazing is that the fixed cost leverage to the downside of 31% when you have a 6% reduction in profit is actually quite extreme. So they've obviously been investing ahead of what is a, a pretty tough time, hoping that they're going to come out of this environment a lot better shape, um, better condition, better competitive position than what might have been expected otherwise. So as I say, expected, but those numbers look pretty grim. Now, um, aside from the leverage to the downside, I understand that this is pretty close to what the brokers had broadly expected. Mm. Now, the board sees itself at 10 cents as being fairly brave, I think, as to publish that dividend. As you pointed out, that's not a terribly large dividend by comparison to what has been in the, in the past. Um, again, you've got a traditional ground-based business which has suffered and suffered materially. And then you've got this digital segment, which mm. is giving an offset, but it's still not growing anywhere near, or it's not big enough to be offsetting terribly much of that downside. So unfortunately, you're, you're stuck in a place where you've got the benefit of the digital and you've got the drawback of the physical that's kept you down. The thing is, when I look at these, um, the results in September as opposed to now and then the forward forecasts, we're pretty much back to the price we were in September of last year, which was when that result was published and was a disappointment at that stage. So I'm finding it hard to get terribly excited about this, but I can see how it could rally on the basis that people are going to think of this as a recovery play. But time will tell here. Yeah, I think you touched on an interesting point, and I think the market's latched onto this. The digital side of the business, whilst relative to previous years of the gaming side, is still relatively small. Um, in this latest report, it's become something like 57% of all revenue. Uh, and actually, they're the number two online gaming casino site uh, across the world. So I think investors would have uh, taken a bit of heart there that that digital strategy seems to be uh, continuing uh, to grow and do quite well. And the other thing, of course, being that they have a very strong balance sheet. I think they, they're quoted as saying they had some $2 billion in liquid assets. So uh, that's possibly why the market has seen that uh, quite favorably. All right then, so that's it's right. now it's time to uh, get into uh, some questions. And of course, as always, remember question at spotty.com.au or text us 0480-079-089. Now we have had some overhangs from previous weeks. If you can just humor me, um, on these ones, uh, just for a moment, Michael. Two stocks um, in particular. Uh, Clivus has been incredibly patient waiting for me to respond to these. So thank you very much for your patience. Um, I'm going to answer two. I'm saving one for later. You folks will hear that, about that in a moment. Uh, the two stocks are Clean Space Holdings, which is CSX, and Vmoto, which is VMT. So I'm going to start with Clean Space first, which, which uh, builds uh, specialised respiratory protection equipment. Uh, for healthcare and industrial workers. Now, 
Um, that includes things in the masks, such as blowers, filters, you've got respirator hoods, you've got face pieces. Basically, it's the Darth Vader experience is what I could probably describe it as. Uh, price has fallen, though, since the first day it traded after it listed um, on IPO. But I think investors will take comfort uh, from the fact that in a recent announcement, they told us that they are ahead of their prospectus forecast and they're quite upbeat about their prospects, uh, which uh, you know is quite good, given they're only listed a month ago. Uh, the real story here is obviously going to be the consumables. Uh, just like when you buy a printer, dirt cheap, yet you know you get slammed on the ink side. Well, it's a similar sort of model that they're looking to implement here. It's worked for Nanasonics, uh, NAN, and, and a whole range of other businesses as well. And it seems to make sense. Obviously, spikes in COVID overseas are supportive of the business. Uh, and while they will pass, I think the price retraction actually creates a little bit of value. Another company that's done well on the back of whole COVID is Vmoto, which their code is VMO. Uh, now, we've spoken about this stock a number of times on this program. They make scooters and they've been doing quite well. Now, they're not your uh, cool Vespa type scooters, basically the ones where predominantly your food delivery drivers will uh, uh, ride them around. You'll see them zipping around the CBD um, or alternatively in a lot of Southeast Asian countries as well. Uh, overseas sales going incredibly well, uh, up some 35% on the previous corresponding period. Uh, they're beating their competitors, which is good. They are now operating cash flow positive, which is also good. And they're in bed with a rideshare partner now, I think in the Netherlands, uh, whereby they'll uh, be able to uh, sell their bikes through there as well. So, you know, I, I think it's a nice level down here. If you can get in it around this level or down towards 47 cents, that puts it on a forecast PE of about 20, which I actually don't think uh, is too bad for a company of this global growth profile. So that was VMO. All right then, Michael, let's bring you back into the discussion here, a company which definitely has a global footprint. In fact, there aren't many countries where it doesn't have it, although they did uh, divest the South American business. Giving you a hit there, folks, I'm going to talk about QBE. Uh, the code is QBE. Now, this question, of course, came from uh, on Twitter from our great friend Tweety Bird. Thank you, Tweety. Uh, right now, he has said here in his question, I assume it's a he um, with a name like that, most probably is. Um, I've heard murmurs about, uh, about it today. Now, that was back on Friday, I might add, when he asked this, and was wondering, is there anything sinister in the pipeline for Q uh, QBE coming up? So, Michael, obviously, you know, you would have uh, graced the halls of the good old QBE back when you were at QIC. Um, what's your view in regards to the business and where it's positioned at the moment? Because it has gone through a bit of tumult recently. Sure. Uh, again, when I was looking at this, this this stock's got it all. It's got scandal. It's got management change. It's got uh, <laughs> core investment markets. It's got international M and A. It's got court cases. It's literally got everything. And so, so it's a great one to talk about. Now, uh, most people probably know it's an underwriter and a reinsurer of risk. But at the heart of an insurance company, it is a, a large fund manager because. When they take our premiums, they invest those hoping that they make a return and then they use that money to plough back into the insurance. Mm. Now, during the pandemic, this thing's fallen from $15 to $7.50 and now back to somewhere in the mid tens. And so it's actually had a real caning. Now, the reality is that there've been some um, court cases that have been levelled against them for people, particularly in Europe, particularly in the UK at the moment, 
trying to claim that being shut down in the pandemic is actually an insurable risk and therefore they're trying to claim against it. Now that's been uh, slated against, I think it's seven major insurance companies, including QBE. And so that's going on at the moment. And the defense of that is starting, they're literally starting in this week. Um, so we're starting to get trickles of positive uh, statements that are coming out of the defense. But the reality also is that you've got a recovering uh, globe in terms of going back to work, getting back to business, and a starting of the major moves in the stock market. So you're actually getting the unwinding uh, of the ne negative or the nastiness that's come at us with uh, coronavirus. Mm. Now, if you look at that and you couple that with the vaccine news that we've had this week, two, two very, very positive news, pieces of news, and then you add the fact that we're without a managing director, we've got a board that is a little bit vulnerable You've got a takeover in Europe for a group called um, RSA. And when you draw a line from one business to, from that business, the takeover business to QBE, it looks like QBE should be worth or should be trading more like 14, 14, 50, which gets us right back into pre-COVID levels. Mm. Now at $10.50, that's talking 35, 40% upside. And of course, without a CEO, lots of things become much more difficult. Uh, I know we've got a, a CEO standing in, but someone who in, intuitively and deeply knows and understands this business is not there at the helm. So it could be an exciting time. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it certainly adds a little bit of spice to what has been a, a news-ridden stock for the last year. Yeah, well, look, yeah, just in regards to that uh, lack of CEO, um, I've got my CV available if you happen to be uh, tuning in, a board of QBE, I know you're big fans. But look, if I can focus, though, on that UK case, because I suspect it's that, which is a bit of a uh, real, um, you know, rope around the neck, as it were, at the moment. I mean, we're talking about, you know, I think it's something like 21 policy wordings, which affects something like 700 policy types. There's 60 cross insurers and some 370,000 policyholders and possibly billions of pounds of compensation that we're talking about here. And a number of participants in the industry say that this could be potentially catastrophic. And I don't want to really shouldn't say this in the same breath, but no one watches this program, Michael, so it's okay. But obviously <laughs> the last company that was significantly impacted by a court ruling that was an Australian company was Slater and Gordon, unfortunately. And they, they're a business of lawyers and it didn't help them. So the question then becomes, what's necessarily going to happen with QBE on the back of this? It is the thing that everyone's going to be watching and no doubt any future CEO will probably be wanting to see what the outcome of that is before they commit um, to such a wonderful enterprise. But like I said, I'm happy to fill in for holiday leave as well, if you're watching. Okay, let's go to another stock, very different end of the, uh, the market cap scale but still a quality little business, proven performer with some innovative technology. It's integrated research. Uh, their core product is known as Prognosis and they do a number of performance management diagnostic systems. Now, Michael, I don't know if you know this, but in my research, apparently 25% of all Fortune 500 companies actually use Prognosis within their software. So uh, the question, uh, if I can go back to that, and I'm doing it again from a different studio, folks, so you'll see me toing and froing um, every uh, now and then. Uh, the question in regards to integrated research comes from, do, 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 I'll find it in a moment. I, I have to give uh, the uh, appropriate, hey, there we go, Ben, good on you, Ben, gotcha, Ben. Um, so IRI is the code, obviously, for those of you playing along at home. 
and would like our stake in regards to the business. You look back 20 years, you know, it's been impressive in terms of growth. He'd love some insight in regards to the future business, if you wouldn't mind, Michael. Sure. Um, I didn't know that uh, you knew that, uh, Elio, so that's fantastic you let me know. This company has had seven years in a row of profit growth, and yeah. so it's it's coming from a very invest, um, very positive base. In an environment when growth has been incredibly valuable, uh, both here and the US, in a COVID world, this was a very, very special investment, and, and that share price almost uh, tells the whole story. If you have a look at that uh, February, March period, what we've got is a very negative period of time for the market generally, we all know that. But have a look at the run up post um, March. So we got way down and then we've gone to a, a position where people have gone, well, where can we find growth? And this is a company that it hasn't proven to be stellar growth, but it's been amazing growth in the context of what's been going on in the market more broadly. So it's been a technology stock and it's been one that people have rushed towards and and really pushed that price uh, a long way. So it's actually almost doubled from its lows and then it's come back into the middle 30s. So it's, it's really very interesting prospect. Revenue grew by about 10%. Um, their total sales, um, sorry, their total license sales increased by about 15% and almost 100% of their business is offshore. So their profit was quite significant. Their EBIT margins are phenomenal at 28%, just down 1%. Uh, NPAP margins, margins amazing as well. So to me, when I look at this stock, I'm thinking to myself, okay, people have clamoured to it on the basis of a, a lack of growth in COVID world. So when I'm looking at it at $3.60, it looks to me to be about 24 times. It's probably got another, uh, I don't know, 10 to 15% in it in, in rough terms. And from there, it, it appears to me that there's a lot of stock. Okay, looks like we've, oh no, he's, uh, looks like his video's just gone. And no, I think we've got him back. Sorry, Michael. No, we've, uh, the gremlins down at uh, the peninsula there uh, decided to uh, cut the wire. We've stuck it back together. Sorry, just go back there in regards to, you were mentioning that it had about uh, another 15, 20% uh, upside relative to the current Sorry, PE. I think 10 to 15% would pull it up. And so I can see as people are, are excited and we've still got a while to go before we've got a genuine um, vaccine that's really uh, right on the money. What I'm really thinking about here is we've got a competition for capital and whether people know or understand it, it's an important facet. Money goes into high performing stocks like this because of the growth mm. and because there's a lack of alternatives. So professional fund managers are looking around going, where can I put my money where I can get at least or at least maintain it and not get worse? And so the reality is it makes it very difficult to find places to put your money. Here's been a classic case where people have been really excited to put their money because they've felt so confident in the business. So my concern here is over the next 12 months, we're looking at alternatives that are stronger, bigger, better than they have been before with the notion of a, a vaccine. So I think we're probably going to make a little bit more money here, but I don't see this shooting, shooting the lights out. Yeah, no, fair point. I mean, management uh, don't release guidance, which is traditionally the case uh, with regards to them, but there are a few things working in their favour and that COVID theme does uh, play out quite well because two of their business divisions are one, the cashless, 
and two, their unified communications. And that, you know, supports and ensures the, the uptime of things like Zoom and, you know, those big sort of Microsoft Teams um, is another one of their uh, uh, customers. And of course, the cashless payments where they've got, you know, very strong uh, relationships with all the big four banks. They've got new management at the helm. That's the other thing to watch. Uh, John Ruthen and Chairman uh, Paul Brandling as well. Um, the, uh, the founder and ex-chairman of the board, Stephen uh, Kalea, well, he still holds around 30% of the business, but it should be interesting to note that um, he's most likely to continue to sell down that holding uh, to uh, fund his philanthropic efforts. And why not, whilst you're still above the ground and see some of that money go to work. And it has been a great Australian story, make no bones about it. But yeah, Michael, the question is, uh, of course, you know, where's the next rabbit going to come out of the hat? And that's what um, investors, it might be in IT, but it's well established. And the question now becomes, what's next? So um, I don't, if it's okay with you, Michael, I'm going to stick with the eyes. I, right, okay, excellent, good, you glad you agree. Iris, um, I-R-E <laughs> is their code. Now, yeah. they're used by around 80% of Australian fund managers. You don't end up in this caper without knowing uh, an Iris platform and what they do and how they work. Um, that question was also in regards to integrated research from Ben. He also wanted to know about Iris as well and wants a bit of a, uh, you know, our view in regards to where we see this company moving from here on in. Yeah. And isn't that a different chart? You know, yeah. I'm not a technical analyst, but, you know, the reality is here we're 40% off the highs or the pre-COVID highs. Um, people have obviously been less convinced in in most respects. And yes, you're right. The thing about Iris is it's been a fab fabulous performer in this industry. It's started to stretch its wings into others. Um, but the reality is you're already dominating an industry mm. and we can call this a technology stock, but I think it's more a fintech, um, not that that's probably splitting hairs a little bit. Uh, as you would know, 90% of their revenues are recurring, so they're very, very reliable. Yeah. Um, that's that fourth quarter really does need to, so they've reinstated their guidance. That fourth quarter really does need to be strong to finish the year. Um, they're talking about 3% organic growth. It's not massive. It's good. It's great. Um, it's more commendable than most companies can produce at the moment. Um, but what I'm seeing here is more of an opportunity to perhaps enjoy a bit more upside here because it's a little bit on the, on the duller side. Mm. Uh, again, you've got the competition for capital. Where's the capital going to go when we've got vaccine COVID um, under wraps? So I'm, I'm sort of thinking that we could do 10 or 15% over the next 12 months in this stock as well. All right. Well, if you think that was a uh, pretty bad looking chart, wait till you bring this one up on your screen uh, there, Michael. Uh, it's sticking with the eyes again. A question from Bernie on the text machine, 0480-079-089. It's IAG, the great insurer. So we're keeping it with insurance and with the eyes. So we like bundling our themes uh, here, as everyone who watches the program knows. Look, thanks very much for the question, Bernie. I'll read out what he says um, uh, in his question. Well articulated. Well done, Bernie. Uh, like our opinion, approximately fallen from some $8.50 to around $4.50. Starting to turn, though. The ROE is expected to jump uh, from about 4% to around 11% in FY21, which is correct. Uh, change of man management, of course, after the CEO has decided to uh, hang up his boots and move on. Uh, he's not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But obviously, on the back of climate change, we've got El Nino possibly knocking on our door, and we know what happened in 2011 when that hit Australia and what that did to the northeast uh, uh, coast of this country. Uh, bushfires, all that sort of thing. 
So he's looking not only for a comment in regards to IAG, Michael, but also a comment um, in regards to the broader sector, which obviously in Australia has been a tough gig to make money recently. Yeah, look, I, I have to admit, I don't have anything, any special knowledge about IAG, but I'd make a similar sort of comment. These businesses need investment markets to perform so that they can do their yeah. core business. They've all been hit by extremely tough circumstances. That means they're going to push back on the consumer um, to try and skinny down their own loss provisions or their losses that they have to suffer and carry. Um, that causes a bit of um, poor relation with insurers, and it's not a great way to be running your business, but there it is. It's, that's the business of insurers. It's not my favourite space in any way, shape or form, but the reality is you've got uh, capital competing for space in a global context. And if money is actually going to head into insurance because of active, attractive returns, then you could actually see a firming of premiums and maybe a little bit better return for the insurance sector in total. Yeah, I think the one advantage, obviously, Bernie, is that they've had a year of disasters now, so they can reprice their policies in order to accommodate for that. So it's not going to be a big shot initially. Um, I've got nothing else to contribute from the fundamental side, because obviously got, there's a lot of water to pass on the bridge, pardon the pun, um, in regards to that. But if I can, from the charting side, the good news is, is that it has returned on a daily chart back to an uptrend. And in fact, it's only some 20 cents away from its 200-day moving average, which for larger cap businesses, now definitely not the smaller ones, but with a larger cap, that is seen as a pretty significant sort of indicator. Now, chances are the price will bubble around that 200-day moving average for a little bit until such time as there is a catalyst for future growth. And I think, obviously, once you've had a bad year, it helps you price in for the next year so that even if there is a bad year, it doesn't end up being quite so bad as what the previous one was. So does it look better than what it was six months ago? I would argue yes. Is the price reflecting that? Yes. If you're wondering where you would possibly put a stop loss in regards to this, I think you can give it a wide berth. I'd say something like $5.05 is where you'd be looking um, in regards to that. So hopefully that insight has uh, from both uh, Michael and myself has assisted you there, Bernie, and thank you for your continued support. Uh, I'll go to the next question. I'm going to go back to the IT uh, theme, if that's okay with you, uh, Michael. The stock is Appen. Uh, the code is APX. It came from Anonymous, who uh, the only reason why I'm reading this question out, Anonymous, is because you said it was a great show. Otherwise, I probably would have given you the flick. But Appen, APX is the code. Um, now, he bought the stock, or she, don't know, bought the stock at $39. Um, would like to know whether, you know, this whole vaccine thing is going to assist them, but it's been a little counterintuitive. We'll talk a bit about that in a moment. But with regards to Appen, though, uh, is it a business that's come across your radar? Because obviously it's part of the WAX acronym. Um, by definition, then it's become the hot stock over the last two or three years. But its price has been teetering a little bit in recent times. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Hmm. Um, look, this stock, uh, it, it makes money by teaching computers how to um, speak and, and recognise images. So that's interesting. Pre-COVID, it was $22, as you can see on that that chart uh, or thereabouts it peaked at 43 and now it's about that 32 level now i find it again fascinating that people have gone for growth it's the logical thing to have done uh, they've looked at technology they've looked at stocks like this that had some semblance of growth and they've really pushed that price very very hard 
Now, what it seems to me, having having read through, is that result in uh, August last year wasn't all that great. So it was a bit of a miss. Um, now, sorry, August this year, um, it did deliver solid growth, but the costs in the result were far and away more than what people were expecting. Um, now, brokers are expecting that the 2021 result will actually increase uh, quite significantly. Yeah. And so they're giving it a bit of a rev up. It's certainly in a hot space. Artificial intelligence is probably the buzzword of, of this decade. You're working for the big boys in terms of the Facebooks and the like. They are showing growth. I think that's igniting a bit more interest in uh, people wanting to, to look at Appen. And then uh, from there, what we're getting is COVID relief, but we're also getting the same dynamic. Wow, do I want to do this or do I want to be in oil and gas or, or mm. travel related stocks? And so I think there's a little bit of, hmm, do I want to pay too, too much for this stock or do I want to just wait off and see what competition there is for me? So same sort of dynamic with those others. Um, it's a, certainly an exciting space certainly done well if they can control costs this is going to be a space to be watching yeah look they always play their uh, their cards close to their chest michael they, they don't engage in the game of uh, constantly ramping up short-term results they're up some 40 percent this year irrespective of the fact that they've had uh that pullback their relevance uh relevance business is doing well the speech recognition is doing a bit but that big kick in future earnings is coming from their figure eight acquisition uh that analysts are hanging on as being the next catalyst uh, for uh, for growth. So it's just a bit of steam that's come out of the price. And obviously we'll wait and see what uh, happens when they release their numbers come February. Uh, look, but I do want to tie in a theme before we have a little halftime break, if that's okay with you, Michael, because we covered, you know, Appen, we covered uh, Iris and we covered um, integrated research. And there's been a big cyclical shift uh, moving away from a lot of these IT businesses where you know, many days, IT is the worst uh, performing sector in our market. And a lot of that has gone to, you know, those more traditional industrials. And you touched on in your response uh, there to happen with regards to travel stocks and, you know, big bricks and mortar and that sort of thing. So would you like to just provide a brief comment in regards to what you're seeing with regards to this factor shift and where the money seems to be trailing at the moment? And is it sustainable? Will we sling back to where we were or is this here to stay for a bit? Sure. Okay. Let me try. Um, the, the reality is that the last year has been um, really dominated by technology. And if you look at NASDAQ, um, it has been a handful of stocks that have recovered NASDAQ. It hasn't been the broader market. In Australia, we don't have genuine technology stocks by comparison to what they've got in the US. Mm. So we haven't really experienced understood um, or even um, uh, uh, or any resemblance to what they had received. Now, in a in a market that is expecting no growth, i.e. A, a COVID environment with no vaccine, the one logical place to put your money was uh, technology with some growth, anything to preserve capital and keep your head above water. Because most fund managers don't have the luxury of being able to go to 90% cash. No. Um, they have to have their money invested. So more and more and more and more money got pushed into technology. As that's happened, uh, those valuations have gone higher and higher and higher and they've made new highs. And the index has basically been dominated by that aspect. Now, we've got a little pause. We've got two very, very strong candidates for a vaccine. 
for COVID-19. Now people are starting to look and think, okay, we've speculated on a vaccine coming in before, and we've wondered what the world might look like if we could get back in our planes, cars, trains, um, and go to the theater and go to restaurants. But now we're seeing a real prospect of that being available. So again, from a professional fund manager point of view, there's a tilt that starts to begin. Okay, do I want to own Tesla, Microsoft, Facebook and others? Or um, do I want to reduce my weightings and take up opportunities in other areas, whether they be um, oil and gas or travel related or whatever the sector is that excites them? Now, a lot of those stocks have been absolutely smashed. Oil is still down 65% from its pre-COVID highs, mm. or oil stocks generally. So this is an environment where you've got a total change up in the ability of people to broaden their exposure, as opposed to previous to that, we've had a very finite exposure to growth. Yeah. So it's actually very exciting. It's going to come and go, Elio. We know that this virus news will come and go and in positivism and negativism. But the reality is we're now at the point of almost expecting that vaccine in the next month or two or three. As that confidence wanes, we're going to get a, a rise and a fall in the expectations of this cyclical technology growth um, complex. So I think it's actually very, very interesting. It must be understood by professional managers it's important for mums and dads to be able to get their heads around it because it's going to move this market for the next 12 months. Most definitely. It'll be a theme we'll be talking about uh, here on Spotty throughout uh, 2021, I'm sure. All right, I'll get you to take a sip of water there, Michael, because it's time for me to remind everyone that it is our last episode of the week. So question at spotty.com.au or text us 0480 079 089. You can go to the website spotty.com.au to watch all the replays, including at the bottom of each replay, which stocks were discussed. You can even do a little search in the top right hand corner. Just do the dollar sign and the question of the stock um, that you, or sorry, is a dollar sign, and then the three codes of the stock you're interested in, and you'll see which episodes they were actually discussed. And of course, the program is available on podcast as well. Now we continue our exploration of the 16 traits of successful investing that our great supporters at ShareWealth Systems have made available to all viewers at Spotty. And today we're going to talk about why you need to trust yourself to overcome. Now fear, uncertainty, hesitation, indecision, and reservation are all part of investing. But once you overcome this, you'll find that opportunities become much clearer. So how do you manage the demons that are inside your head? Well, you need to prepare yourself with a process which you believe in, and, you will, and that will help you build the trust that you need to overcome the fear of a negative outcome. Because the way the maths works in the market, you'll generally will have positive outcomes, uh, provided you don't uh, stray from the path and stick to your knitting. So go to the website, 16traits, that's 16traits.com to learn why uh, turning uh, to making sure that you believing in yourself is a key trait to being a successful investor over the long term. Um, all right then, so as we go to market currently, uh, just having a quick look here, the All Ordinaries continues on its positive trajectory. You're having a great impact, Michael. This always helps with getting you back on. Up half a percent at the moment for the All Lords, the XJO up point, uh, five six percent which is uh, which is great all right then so I'll go to another question this one here is in the mining space and let's keep it to the leverage of the recovery uh, especially good old dr copper that great economic indicator the stock in question is sandfire resources the code is F SFR and I want to thank Joe as well also 
who put the name to that uh, anonymous tweet. So thank you very much, Joe, for sending that through. Uh, okay, so Sandfire Resources, SFR, another one that has come off its highs. Uh, obviously, with copper, leverage to an economic recovery. But, you know, the DeGrasse asset is quite, uh, quite large and reasonable, but they have had issues recently. So do you have a, a view on SFR? Sure. Look, um, I suppose when we're looking at the copper markets, it's important to point out that it, we're at a two and a half year high. And that's as partly as a result of the Peru um, production issues. But we've got an environment where China is strong and remains strong. The market. So as long as we've got that backdrop of positivism, we're going to keep a very strong copper price. It puzzles me, by the way, why China would have uh, put copper into the um, taboo list of buying from Australia, but we'll see how that turns out in the end. Mm. Um, but in terms of that underlying dynamic of strong copper, short supply, strong China, big demand out of COVID recovery, we've actually got a really important backdrop for all copper right around um, in, in just about every sense. I don't have anything particularly special to add about Sanfire at the moment other than it looks to me like it, if we get through the China issue, there's good upside. Okay, then. Uh, no, thank you very much for that. And look, obviously, with regards to the Grusser, you know, it just needs to get a few of those operational uh, issues behind it. It should be leveraging off the copper price a hell of a lot better than what it has been. And it, should it do that, then obviously that bodes well uh, for the company. But yeah, I dare suggest it's probably more an economic story here rather than um, anything else. Uh, I want to touch on uh, Reese Plumbing, actually, an interesting uh, little business over the many years. And if I can get you not only to answer the question on Reese, but to also wrap it up with regards to your view on the property sector at the moment, which is a little bit of a hot space. Um, you know, obviously, there are plumbing supplies business. Most of them uh, know who uh, Reese are. They don't, haven't made their way to the big fund managers all that often because they can be a little, or they have been a little bit of liquid because of the tightly held uh, ownership structure on the company, even though that's been loosening somewhat recently. But Jeremy would like our view in regards to the medium to long term. So, you know, even if you haven't been as across this one too much, um, Michael, I'm sure you've got a view in regards to what's happening with the building supplies market at the moment. Yeah, sure. Look, um, I've, I've had a bit of a different view, or actually quite a different view for well, back since uh, May on the housing market. So we never saw 20 and 30% or even 10% down in property prices where most of the big banks were out there scaremongering uh, those sort of numbers. Um, as a result of all of that, the government started to inject money into that industry in terms of construction. And that has started to um, show some fruit. And I think that's that's a wonderful backdrop again for investments in not only Reese, but things like GWA, uh, West Farmers through Bunnings and, and other construction companies. So I think uh, you're right. The register has been such that institutions couldn't easily get in. That meant it was fairly illiquid when you were buying and selling, you were actually moving the price more yep. than most institutions were ever comfortable with. But in terms of the longer term aspect or the medium term aspect, with that governmental support and with the requirement of people um, to be wanting to build their own house, and I think there's actually a structural um, 
move to the country or to areas outside of the city, mm. which will create demand for more and more of that that style of product that Reese provides so readily. Yeah, I mean, and I even remember the days when a 5,000 parcel would shift the price 5%. So I've been around uh, quite a bit longer. And and actually, look, nothing really to add there other than they don't provide guidance. It's not the type of growth that I that the chief that I get excited about. So traditionally, I've steered clear of it. But the one thing I give them credit for, in April, they had a capital raising, uh, Michael, which was their first ever since listing. So you've got to give them credit for that. And it took an event like uh, the uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, in order to pull out the emergency stops. Otherwise, they'd still have the same amount of capital on issue as what they did on day dot. So a marvellous achievement um, there. Um, I will just answer a quick little question here in regards to a stock. I'm just trying to see who asked about Peter, one of our great friends, the most articulate question asker on our program, in case for your information, Michael. What to know mm -hmm. about Whisper, uh, WSP? Unfortunately, I don't have the time um, to uh, read out the whole uh, question, Peter, but uh, I rest assured I did read it. It is a great question. Um, the, what they've done is he wanted to know in regards to the US strategy, where the company is going with that. And fortunately for us, the company released a, a, a presentation today discussing just the thing that you wanted to ask about. How uh, timely was that? Um, look, they want to expand into the US, which makes sense given they are a software as a service company and they're involved in communication and workflow management. And with COVID out of control over there and with a number of governors possibly looking at tightening the reins in regards to citizens' movements, it's something, it's really their moment in the sun. They've got to go and they've got to go now. The US currently earns only around 4% of revenue um, of what the Australian business does and only has about 3% of the clients as what Australia does. But we know, of course, the target market's much larger in the US. In fact, they've got a 50-50 uh, goal to split up the Aussie business as well as international, of which as a total collective, the US will make up 30% of that. Now, they're targeting over some 140,000 businesses and they've only got to get some 300 clients in order to get to that 50-50, um, or sorry, to that 30% split that they want to. So does it make sense? Most definitely. Will they be successful? Well, time will tell, but they've obviously been boosting their North American team. They were very thin on the ground over there. I think they only had something like six full-time staff. They're boosting their sales department. I dare suggest future announcements in regards to that would most likely support the price, which has been waning in recent times. Um, look, I do want to touch on something. I'm not going to let you get away with this uh, too easy, uh, Michael, as I was ranting there. I just thought of a question that came to mind. Because um, obviously I am aware of what your business has been doing and you often uh, sometimes throw out little notes to your clients to let them know of a change in sentiment. Now after the positive sentiment around building supplies and what's happening in the property space, there is another stop uh, that you gave a uh, warning on that's involved in the property space, that's Genworth. Um, and actually let's throw in InvoCare, might as well throw that in with the uh, current health issues at the moment. Why don't you take some time in regards to just explain to Aaron, because you touched on it a little bit earlier in regards to how you assess volatility and how that governs the volatility rather than the price itself, governs where you go from buying and selling and, and the like. I think that'd be a great opportunity to go, well, why one, would you slap a sell warning on that? And then two, how your system works. Sure. Um, interesting that the systems actually just sent me an email saying uh, it's got a buy on app and today uh, but anyway let's leave that aside right um so i've 
I've been running a trial for a hedge fund and I sent you a couple of notes just to um, inform you of what we were doing. We have a new product and at the moment, Pythagoras sells recommendations by stock. But what we've done during lockdown, and for those that don't know, the lockdown in Victoria has been so ridiculously extreme. Um, we haven't been allowed to uh, leave our homes uh, for just about anything. Yeah, so it's caused me nice. to do, yeah, you, you've enjoyed that too. The reality was it sent me back to the drawing board to, to see if I could solve a problem. And that's that problem was, uh, hedge fund posed to me, could you give me 12 ideas a year that would make 5% return for him? And what I've come back with and finalized now is 35 ideas in a year that make 13%. And those two examples that um, you just mentioned, InvoCare, we issued a buy about 40 days before selling and the return was about 22%. Uh, Genworth, we issued a day, a recommendation, it was, I think, 28 days prior, and we made something like 29.5%. So it's not a sell for all time, but mm. it's the sell that comes out at that point in time for us. Now, Genworth's pretty much gone flat since, and Invocare in the last week has dropped off from its $2.50s into the $2.30 sort of level. So this new product, what we've done is developed the ability to pick the best buy out of all of the recommendations that we have across hundreds of companies. And what it's led us to is a win rate of 99.5%. That is 99.5% of recommendations when they sell are profitable and they're profitable to the tune of 13%. And the average, even though those two examples were shorter, but the average duration is about four months. So for me, I feel really very excited by that as a product and that as an idea, because it means we can do all of the hard work behind the scenes mathematically. And people who are a little unsure or looking for a different way to invest can use this style of service to make it worth their while to still be in the, in the market but not have all of the stresses um, that come with it. So that's where we're at and that's what we're doing. And we're, um, we're in the process of just, of just launching that product now. Okay, so totally unrelated to InvoCare is Kicker. Code is KYK, folks. Now, Lisa has sent through a text uh, question on this one here, saying that at one stage are up around 30 cents. Now they're trading at single digits. They appear to have some good results is there potential for future growth? Well, just as a refresher for everyone, uh, Kicker, which is K-Y-C-K-E-R, is all sort of uh, good business names that are misspelled these days, uh, including mine. Uh, refresh business, uh, just it's a business, it's a technology which protects against money laundering, helping companies meet their anti-money laundering provisions. Now, when Richard White, who's the CEO and founder of Wise Tech, came on board, he bought some 20% of the stock in 2019, the stock went through the roof. Now, he's recently sold down an extra 5% um, of that. But to counter that, Regal Funds, a well-known small cap manager, have been buying in. So the issue with this company, well, it's where is the contracts, especially in the current environment where banks have been slammed, fined record amounts for doing the thing that Kicker is trying to prevent. Now, the good news is it is forming a base here. It needs to hold that $0.07 mark. Nothing's going to be a panacea like a new contract. Um, if it breaks 10 cents, then that could possibly be 
the uh, you would expect probably a slight pullback and then a pop up there but it really needs to hold that seven cent level but most importantly it needs new contracts so michael just quickly in regards to banks uh, then let's have a general comment then with regards to the money laundering which is what kick is trying to solve there you know the issues in regards to them they're getting comp competition from buy now pay later notwithstanding the home loan market is improving it's still a little bit challenging in that regard they're going to be smaller businesses tomorrow than what they are today from an investment thesis perspective what's your view on the banks at the moment Look, they don't excite me um, but i have to i uh, have to preface that comment with they never have um, there have been periods of time where they've they've done very very well and they've been able to deploy their balance sheet uh, quite efficiently and make good returns over that capital but the gfc changed that the ability to cheap cheaply fund those loans has actually gone so the reality is they're not in this strong position that they used to be excuse me um it's someone possibly now with buying bank, your indicator <clears throat> <laughs> sorry put that phone aside um now with the banks they've got a particular challenge at the moment in that with the holidaying of the uh, mortgages that they've been experiencing we're leading into much much more difficult uh, debt circumstances for the end user. And that will take probably 24 months to see how bad that really gets. Now, there've been a lot of provisions that have been raised for the banks. And the reality, as long as their capital is sufficiently strong, it shouldn't be diabolical because the worst thing is if they have to raise capital and dilute all of the existing shareholders. So they don't excite me, but as I say, they never really have. All right then, folks, it's time for us to see the light, which is proudly brought to you by our partners in light at Macro Capital. Macro Capital gives you everything you need to discover, analyze, and execute on investment opportunities. This is why they're one of Australia's leading research and advisor houses, helping everyday investors shine a light on financial markets so that you can navigate them with confidence. Head to the website macro.com.au to learn more. I'll go with my two stocks first, and one of them is Betmakers, code BET who develop uh, data and analytic products from the, for the business-to-business -business wagering market. So basically the back end of all those online brokers. Now, over the last financial year, they've doubled their monthly revenue. Uh, they now have cash, very strongly, no debt. Prices flown over the last 12 months. It's already gone quite great guns. And they're just still kicking goals. Uh, look at Tabcorp, for example, as to how many goals they're kicking. So where are the opportunities ahead? Well, they can continue to build out their white label solution, continue to expand overseas. Recently, they've been getting some traction, including in New Jersey, uh, where they've uh, just received approval to offer fixed wagering odds as well. That money in the bank helps them for growth. Now, in the foreseeable future, they could be a $1 billion market cap business. Uh, at the moment, they're a quarter of that. So there's still some ways to go yet. The other company is Linus, code LYC, the rare earths company. Um, I hold this, I hold BET too, by the way. Um, look, they've, for a few months I've been going up, doing incredibly well. Um, their Mount Weld project in WA is where the money's at and it's been doing incredibly well. The other additional benefit is that yes, they've had proce uh, processes problems in Malaysia, but they're also now looking to establish one in Kalgoorlie. Further to that, the US government through the Defense Department is investing in a US project as well, as everyone looks to shore up their supply lines to take it away from China, who's the world's largest producer because they do it so cheap and everyone got a little lazy there um, in that regard. So there's some strategic uh, value in Linus. Amanda Lacazzi, well, proven performer, led the company for eight years, 
she labelled that West Farmers takeover back in 2019 as arrogant. That was at $2.25 and she was right. Okay, Michael, so what two companies are you going to help us see the light on that we're going to do our own personal research into and see whether they align with our own investment objectives and tolerance to risk? Absolutely. Um, in terms of a generic basket, oil and gas, I'm, I'm quite a believer in that for the next 12 months. Okay. You can take your pick. You've got Woodside, Sandos, Oil Search and, and uh, Beach in there, but let's choose Woodside. It's a substantial asset. Um, the gas price has started to recover. Oil has been reasonably stable. People are going to be getting back into their cars, getting on flights, um, getting on trains. We've got an OPEC meeting coming up, which should show that they're going to keep supply down. The reality is pre-COVID, this was $30, $33. It's now 21. It's recovered from a low of about 16. I think this is actually quite an interesting area that people need to be focusing on. And it's one where as the money comes out of the high tech, high growth, they're going to be looking for those really bombed out places. I think this is a good spot. Um, second segment is the real estate uh, portals. Um, I'm going to choose um, domain over realestate.com. Again, our view of real estate that was that it was never as bad as all that. I think we're now past the worst. It could be that come Christmas, we're almost back to where we started, perhaps not in Victoria, but uh, across the rest of Australia. Domain hasn't executed as well as realestate.com.au. It's been worse affected by COVID. Um, I think there's actually more yards to go there. I see that as a nice grind up for, um, for the next six or 12 months. Uh, and if I had to add a third, just because I can, uh, I, know, very I think quick. FMG would be the yep. one. Excellent. So FMG, DHG for Domain and Woodside WPL. Can't let you go without a view in regards to what's going to happen with markets till February uh, there, Michael, given that's your specialty. Yep. Look, 6,800 by February. Uh, that'll leave us about 5% short of pre-COVID levels. Um, that's been my view since uh, the start of June, and I'm not dissuaded from that. Our that's the ASX 200. ASX 200, thank you very much. So our yep. C-Delight segment, folks, was powered by Macro Capital, your complete solution for stock market research, advice, and trade execution. Go to that website, macromaqro.com.au. All right then, folks, well, that's all we have time for today. So on behalf of all of you, please join me in well, uh, thanking Michael D from Pythagoras Investing for his contribution today. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Elio. Have a great one. Will do. And PythagorasInvesting.com is the website. If you want to access the trial, it's the same website, Pythagoras.com, trial hyphen Pythagoras. Just go to the website. I'm sure you just follow the golden road. Well, that's all we have time for this week, folks. Remember, Spotty is available on the website, spotty.com.au. You can also learn more about our consulting services there. Feel free to follow us on Facebook or LinkedIn, or you can follow me on Twitter to keep abreast of what is going on in our world. And if a question pops up into your mind over the weekend, question at spotty.com.au 0480079089. And we love those video questions too. We haven't had any recently. So if you've got one and it comes to mind, take it in horizontal mode and by all means, we'll be happy to put it on the show. At least we guarantee you get it on. Uh, apologies again to those where we couldn't get through those questions. Uh, and if there's an expert you want to see, question at spotty.com.au again. Thanks again to our partners in light, Sharewell Systems, wonderful supporters, 16 Traits, 16Traits.com to learn the 16 Traits of Successful Investing as authored by Gary Stone. Thanks, Ticker.
Thanks, Mike, for pushing the right button. Stay tuned for the Ben Robin Robbo Show. And until next week, I'm Elio Damato. You've been watching Spidey and together we've been shining a spotlight on shares. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'm out.